0: this is section thirteen of the thirty thousand dollar bequest and other stories by mark twain this librivox recording is in the public domain was it heaven or hell chapter three the three last named stood by the bed the aunts austere the transgressor softly sobbing the mother turned her head on the pillow Her tired eyes flamed up instantly with sympathy and passionate mother-love when they fell upon her child, and she opened the refuge and shelter of her arms. "'Wait!' said Aunt Hannah, and put out her hand, and stayed the girl from leaping into them. "'Helen,' said the other aunt impressively, "'tell your mother all! Purge your soul! Leave nothing unconfessed!' Standing stricken and forlorn before her judges, The young girl mourned her sorrowful tale through the end, then, in a passion of appeal, cried out, "'Oh, mother, can't you forgive me? Won't you forgive me? I'm so desolate!' "'Forgive you, my darling. Oh, come to my arms. There, lay your head upon my breast and be at peace. If you had told a thousand (coughs) (coughs) lies—' There was a sound, a warning, the clearing of a throat. The ants glanced up and withered in their clothes. There stood the doctor, his face—a thundercloud. Mother and child knew nothing of his presence. They lay locked together, heart to heart, steeped in immeasurable content, dead to all things else. The physician stood many moments glaring and glooming upon the scene before him, studying it, analyzing it, searching out its genesis. Then he put up his hand and beckoned to the aunts. They came trembling to him, and stood humbly before him and waited. He bent down and whispered, "'Didn't I tell you this patient must be protected from all excitement? What the hell have you been doing? Clear out of the place!' They obeyed. Half an hour later he appeared in the parlor, serene, cheery, clothed in sunshine, conducting Helen with his arm about her waist, petting her, and saying gentle and playful things to her, and she also was her sunny and happy self again. Now, then, he said, good-bye, dear. Go to your room, and keep away from your mother, and behave yourself. But wait—put out your tongue. There, that will do. You're as sound as a nut. He patted her cheek, and added, run along now, I want to talk to these ants. She went from the presence. His face clouded over again at once, and as he sat down he said, "'You two have been doing a lot of damage, and maybe some good—some good, yes, such as it is. That woman's disease is typhoid. You've brought it to a show-up, I think, with your insanities, and that's a service such as it is. I hadn't been able to determine what it was before with one impulse the old ladies sprang to their feet quaking with terror sit down what are you proposing to do do we must fly to her we you'll do nothing of the kind you've done enough harm for one day do you want to squander all your capital of crimes and follies on a single deal sit down i tell you i have arranged for her to sleep she needs it if you disturb her without my orders i'll brain you if you've got the materials for it they sat down distressed and indignant, but obedient, under compulsion. He proceeded. "'Now, then, I want this case explained. They wanted to explain it to me, as if there hadn't been emotion or excitement enough already. You knew my orders. How did you dare to go in there and get up that riot?' Hester looked appealingly at Hannah. Hannah returned a beseeching look at Hester. Neither wanted to dance to this unsympathetic orchestra. The doctor came to their help. He said, Begin, Hester. Fingering at the fringes of her shawl and with lowered eyes, Hester said timidly, We should not have disobeyed for any ordinary cause, but this was vital. This was a duty. With a duty one has no choice. One must put all lighter considerations aside and perform it. We were obliged to arraign her before her mother. She had told a lie. The doctor glowered upon the woman a moment, and seemed to be trying to work up in his mind an understanding of a wholly incomprehensible proposition. Then he stormed out. She told a lie, did she? God bless my soul! I tell a million a day, and so does every doctor, and so does everybody, including you, for that matter, and that was the important thing that authorized you to venture to disobey my orders and imperil that woman's life. Look here, Hester Gray this is pure lunacy that girl couldn't tell a lie that was intended to injure a person the thing is impossible absolutely impossible you know it yourselves both of you you know it perfectly well hannah came to her sister's rescue esther didn't mean that it was that kind of a lie and it wasn't but it was a lie well upon my word i never heard such nonsense haven't you got sense enough to discriminate between lies Don't you know the difference between a lie that helps and a lie that hurts?" "'All lies are sinful,' said Hannah, setting her lips together like a vice. "'All lies are forbidden!' The only Christian fidgeted impatiently in his chair. He went to attack this proposition, but he did not quite know how or where to begin. Finally he made a venture. wouldn't you tell a lie to shield a person from an undeserved injury or shame no not even a friend no not even your dearest friend no i would not the doctor struggled in silence a while with this situation then he asked not even to save him from bitter pain and misery and grief no not even to save his life another pause then nor his soul there was a hush a silence which endured a measurable interval then hester answered in a low voice but with decision nor his soul no one spoke for a while then the doctor said is it with you the same hannah yes she answered i ask you both why because to tell such a lie or any lie is a sin and could cost us the loss of our own souls would indeed if we died without time to repent strange strange it is past belief then he asked roughly is such a soul as that worth saving he rose up mumbling and grumbling and started for the door stumping vigorously along at the threshold he turned and rasped out an admonition reform drop this mean and sordid and selfish devotion to the saving of your shabby little souls and hunt up something to do that's got some dignity to it risk your souls risk them in good causes then if you lose them why should you care reform the good old gentlewomen sat paralyzed pulverized outraged insulted and brooded in bitterness and indignation over these blasphemies they were hurt to the heart poor old ladies and said they could never forgive these injuries reform they kept repeating that word resentfully reform and learn to tell lies time slipped along and in due course a change came over their spirits they had completed the human being's first duty which is to think about himself until he has exhausted the subject then he is in a condition to take up minor interests and think of other people this changes the complexion of his spirits generally wholesomely the minds of the two old ladies reverted to their beloved niece and the fearful disease which had smitten her instantly they forgot the hurts their self-love had received and a passionate desire rose in their hearts to go to the help of the sufferer and comfort her with their love and minister to her and labor for her the best they could with their weak hands and joyfully and affectionately wear out their poor old bodies in her dear service if only they might have the privilege and we shall have it said hester with the tears running down her face there are no nurses comparable to us for there are no others that will stand their watch by that bed till they drop and die and god knows we would do that amen said hannah smiling approval and endorsement through the mist of moisture that blurred her glasses the doctor knows us and knows we will not disobey again and he will call no others he will not dare dare said hester with temper and dashing the water from her eyes he will dare anything that christian devil but it will do no good for him to try it this time but laws Hannah." After all said and done, he is gifted and wise and good, and he would not think of such a thing. It is surely time for one of us to go to that room. What is keeping him? Why doesn't he come and say so?" They caught the sound of his approaching step. He entered, sat down, and began to talk. "'Margaret is a sick woman,' he said. "'She is still sleeping, but she will wake presently. Then one of you must go to her. She will be worse before she is better. Pretty soon a night-and-day watch must be set. How much of it can you two undertake?" "'All of it!' burst both ladies at once. The doctor's eyes flashed, and he said, with energy, "'You do ring true, you brave old relics, and you shall do all of the nursing you can, for there's none to match you in that divine office in this town. But you can't do all of it, and it would be a crime to let you it was grand praise golden praise coming from such a source and it took nearly all the resentment out of the aged twins hearts your tilly and my old nancy shall do the rest good nurses both white souls with black skins watchful loving tender just perfect nurses and competent liars from the cradle look you keep a little watch on helen she is sick and is going to be sicker The ladies looked a little surprised, and not credulous, and Hester said, How is that? It isn't an hour since you said she was as sound as a nut. The doctor answered tranquilly, It was a lie. The ladies turned upon him indignantly, and Hannah said, How can you make an odious confession like that in so indifferent a tone, when you know how we feel about all forms of- Hush! You are as ignorant as cats, both of you, and you don't know what you are talking about you are like all the rest of the moral moles you lie from morning till night but because you don't do it with your mouths but only with your lying eyes your lying inflections your deceptively misplaced emphasis and your misleading gestures you turn up your complacent noses and parade before god and the world as saintly and unsmirched truth-speakers in whose cold storage souls a lie would freeze to death if it got there Why will you humbug yourselves with that foolish notion that no lie is a lie except a spoken one? What is the difference between lying with your eyes and lying with your mouth? There is none, and if you would reflect a moment you would see that it is so. There isn't a human being that doesn't tell a gross of lies every day of his life, and you—why, between you—you tell thirty thousand yet you flare up here in a lurid hypocritical horror because i tell that child a benevolent and sinless lie to protect her from her imagination which would get to work and warm up her blood to a fever in an hour if i were disloyal enough to my duty to let it which i should probably do if i were interested in saving my soul by such disreputable means come let us reason together let us examine details When you two were in the sick-room raising that riot, what would you have done if you had known I was coming?" "'Well, what?' "'You would have slipped out and carried Helen with you, wouldn't you?' The ladies were silent. "'What would be your object and intention?' "'Well, what?' "'To keep me from finding out your guilt, to beguile me to infer that Margaret's excitement proceeded from some cause not known to you, in a word, to tell me a lie, a silent lie, moreover a possibly harmful one the twins colored but did not speak you not only tell myriads of silent lies but you tell lies with your mouths you two that is not so it is so but only harmless ones you never dream of uttering a harmful one do you know that that is a concession and a confession how do you mean it is an unconscious concession that harmless lies are not criminal. It is a confession that you constantly make that discrimination. For instance, you declined old Mrs. Foster's invitation last week to meet those odious Higbies at supper, in a polite note in which you expressed regret and said you were very sorry you could not go. It was a lie. It was as unmitigated a lie as was ever uttered. Deny it, Hester, with another lie hester replied with a toss of her head that will not do answer was it a lie or wasn't it the color stole into the cheeks of both women and with a struggle and an effort they got out their confession it was a lie good the reform is beginning there is hope for you yet you will not tell a lie to save your dearest friend's soul but you will spew out one without a scruple to save yourself the discomfort of telling an unpleasant truth he rose hester speaking for both said coldly we have lied we perceive it it will occur no more to lie is a sin we shall never tell another one of any kind whatsoever even lies of courtesy or benevolence to save any one a pang or a sorrow decreed for him by god ah how soon you will fall in fact you have fallen already for what you have just uttered is a lie good-bye reform one of you go to the sick-room now chapter three